Hello again. Welcome to Tell Me. On today's episode of Tell Me, I'm talking to Punky Johnson. Punky is a friend of mine and she's a writer and an actress on SNL. And she is seriously one of the funniest people I know. I think Punky's voice is very important. She has a lot to say, really smart, really funny. She has a great point of view. I always love a conversation with Punky. So I thought I would share one of our conversations with all of you. She also has her own podcast coming out called Swamp Education. I hope you all check it out and support my friend Punky Johnson. What up, punk? What's up? How you doing? I'm chilling, doing a thug fizzle. I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to see you too. You got a podcast coming out? Yeah, but they haven't gave me the day I can put it out. I'm going to be recording it this summer. I'm ready to go. Right. It's just going to be all of my unsolicited doctoral opinions about life and relationships. I'm going to have a topic. I'm going to have a couple segments and I'm going to just go. Nice. Good. I love it. You're going to do well. Yo, Roe v. Wade. Man, I don't even know why that was a thing in the first place. What is the problem with women saying what they can and can't do with their own lives? We knew they were coming for it. And we know what they're coming for next, which is voting rights, mm-hmm. gay rights. Mm-hmm. They're coming after everything and everybody. I think they want us to just be robots, not have a say in our own lives, not have opinions. Everybody has to do the same thing, be the same way. It's like every single day they want all of us to do the same thing. Wake up, brush your teeth, go to work, go home, eat, shut up. I think they just want us to be robots out here just following orders and not being a country of freedom. Yes, I agree with you. My question to you is this is the hardest thing for me to understand. And I want to try to understand it, even though I don't know if there's any understanding it. But I'm trying to figure out the women who are supporting the views of these conservative men. I need to understand where their head is. I 100 percent wish I could understand that. I've had countless conversations with people, but I have never had conversations with people like that. There's no one I know like that. There's no one in my circle like that. I would have to probably go on the internet and be like, hey, (laughs) all you women that's with all of this foolishness and doesn't care if the government has control over you, let's have a conversation because I would really like to know. I would too. It's super, super weird to me. I'm speechless about it. Yeah, I don't understand. It must come from somewhere. And if it comes from religion, and we're both acknowledging that we do not know, so we're not speaking for anyone in particular, but we're just theorizing they care about life. But to what extent do they care about life? They don't care about the children in this country now that already have been born that are starving. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to me, the argument that they care about life and they don't want to argue about when life begins, we won't even get into that. But there's just nothing to support that argument. There is nothing to support that they care about life because there's plenty of children who are born here in this country who don't have enough of what they need. Right. We don't even have health care in this country. So are you going to give everybody universal health care then? You don't want to give women health care. You don't want to give anyone health care. So I just don't understand what the goal is other than, yes, controlling people. But what you will have ultimately is chaos. Right. Who are the billionaires going to have sex with? (laughs) Everybody close your legs. Tight. Don't do it. Buy yourself vibrators. Yep. Pop it. Make yourself your best friend. If that's what this is, because the access to birth control is also part of this. Oh, yeah. I mean, to an extent, like, I understand certain things, like, 
Do I think abortion is okay? I think so. I think you should have a choice and do whatever you want to do. I don't know how to really say this, but if you out there and you being irresponsible and you know that unprotected sex can lead to a baby and you just sitting up there like, I'll just get an abortion. I do think that's just reckless and careless. I agree. I agree with you. You know what I'm saying? But also, you don't want to make that child suffer the consequences if you're not ready. It's a fine line and a very difficult subject to speak about when you're very opinionated about it. But at the same time, I still believe it's your body, your choice. But I don't believe in irresponsible sex. I agree with you 100%. There is no one answer to this or one answer to that. Right. Every issue that is controversial, there's nuance to it. The bill as it stands now is very broad. And the Democrats, knowing that the Republicans were coming for this, they could have put some limitations in the bill and made the bill less broad. Had the Democrats been working, knowing, well, they're looking at us crazy, so let us go in there and reframe this a bit more so it looks a little better to them. Because one of their Republican opinions is that it says in there, and I haven't read it, so again, broad statements here, not specific statements. I have heard that it says you can have an abortion at seven months. The idea that women get abortions so easily, like they go drive through at Starbucks, I personally don't believe that that's the case in the majority of cases. I don't believe it's a decision that women make lightly. However, that language in there is going to give them something to grab onto. If it says you can get an abortion at seven months, of course, Republicans are going to look at that and say, see, and they have an excuse to go after it. Oh, yeah. You know, you can't get caught out there like that and give your enemy a shot at you. I just rewatched The Godfather last night. (laughs) That movie is so masterful. You know, you can't get caught out there. No. In that first scene, the Don got caught out there. Marlon was on the street buying fruit at Christmas time. Right. He got caught slipping. They say it in the film. You know, 10 years ago, he says, I wouldn't have been able to get to him. You have to be really careful. And the Democrats could have done a better job at sealing up the bill and making it seem a bit like it wasn't the wild, wild west. Yeah, you're right about that. That's an easy opening for them to come in because that makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they need to be a little bit more specific and a little bit tighter with that. You're right. That's too broad, especially if that's in there. Yeah, and I'm sure there's other things in there. They had something to grab onto for this. They've been playing a long game. And so, again, we should have been preparing for this moment. I guess there's nothing you could do when Trump appointed those judges. But we knew why he appointed them. Right, right. Now we need to be looking at what's the next goal We know the voting rights are being attacked. And I Mm -hmm. think gay rights are for sure the next on the list. I do think gay rights is on the list too, but I think that's going to be like probably their toughest challenge. There's too many of us out here. And also we got allies. That's going to be a hard one. They might get the voting rights because they can mess with the people that's in prison or they could probably put, if you don't make this amount of money, they could probably tack them rules on and they could probably win the voting rights thing easily. But the gay rights, oh. That's an up mountain battle right there. It's going to be hard, but I know they're going to attack it because they think we're weird. (laughs) No one is that angry about who someone else is fucking. No. I don't know why you would care. It makes absolutely no sense. Probably because, you know. Especially when they with like someone that's 50 years younger than them. Like how gross do you think that looks, old man? Right. (laughs) That specific group that's going to come for the gay folk, the gay community. It can't stand non-binaries. It can't stand trans. I hate the way our trans community is treated. Just, I hate it. Here we go. You care about life, right? But they don't care about trans rights. Right. How many transgender women are found murdered every year? I don't know what the stat is currently, 
but I'm sure there were a high number of transgender women murdered this year, as there are every year. And you know what? Most of them are murdered because the person who they're involved with is not sure and afraid to come out with who they really are. So they're not being truthful to themselves. Right. And then when a trans say, all right, I mean, look, it's time for us to come out the closet. It's time for us to tell the world what we're doing. We're in love. That's when things start popping. At least that's the stories that I'm familiar with. Gay people just are themselves. Just point blank, period. Just out the closet, just big, just bold, just bright. And I think a lot of people just don't like that. When I was in high school, once I graduated and got to college, like a lot of people came and apologized to me. They was like, look, you was just so comfortable in your skin. That made me uncomfortable. I was like, wait, that's why you ain't like me? Because <laughs> I couldn't understand for the life of me. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I'm just chilling. I'm just being myself. And that was what it was. You was just being yourself. And I was gay and I didn't have the courage to be that way. So since you was like that, I just decided to hate you. I was like, that's crazy. That is crazy. But yeah, if you reflect something to someone, an attribute they don't feel like they have, they will resent you for it, for sure. Yeah, it's beyond me. It's interesting because that's also, you know, your DNA part, the way you're raised is being comfortable, being gay. I have a really crazy family. My grandmother, my aunt, all of them, they are so bold. And people call me mean sometimes because I just say stuff, but I'm just blunt. And my family has always been very, very blunt and very comfortable in their own skin. And I think that made me tough as well. But being raised in the South, being gay wasn't normal. Like I was scared to this day still. I mean, I can go into certain neighborhoods by myself, but if I have a female with me, I already know that it might cause some bullshit because some of the guys, they just don't like it. They're going to try to mess with me and try to tell me I'm not man enough to be with her. When I'm not trying to be a man, I'm just minding my business trying to order a sandwich. Right. They're going to try to come holler at her and test me to see if I'm man enough to fight for her honor. I'm like, bro, we're just hungry, man. I'm just trying to get a little side of gumbo. I don't even know why you're coming at us like this. What does gay have to do with food? (laughs) (laughs) I never understood that in some hoods, like the guys, they just really, really don't like it. Like if I don't just shut up and take it, it could get violent in some parts out there. So I just got to watch where I go. I got to watch what I do and watch what I say. Thankfully, now I'm older and I have more self-control and I don't have nothing to prove to nobody and I don't care. And I'm just like, if you talk to my girl, you talk to her, we just going to order food and roll out. Like it doesn't affect me anymore. But when I was younger, I used to be crazy. Like, no, you ain't going to disrespect me. You're not going to talk to her while I'm standing right here. And then, and then I'm choked out in the parking lot. Just <laughs> 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 and she's trying to help and everything. I'm like, nah, I got it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> She's got the high heels off. <laughs> and I'm sitting up there, let me be a man. <laughs> so I grew up in Boston and I grew up in a really blue collar town, very Irish masculine and Italian masculine and they don't like gays. And I'm also very blunt. I think blunt is good. I hate that now it's just coming down to a point in life where people can't really exercise their right to speak freely. Yeah. It's tricky. Do you like Bill Maher? Yes. Haven't watched him in a while. I was watching a clip of him talk and I really agreed with everything he said. You know, he was just like, all of a sudden, now that Roe v. Wade is where it is, now all of a sudden a pronoun doesn't seem like such a big deal, does it? Right. And then the other thing he said was, we should have freedom of speech. We should be able to be on Twitter. Everyone should be able to say what they want to say on Twitter And he was referencing like the 60s and the 70s. And they used to go after the music and say, the music is perpetuating lies. He was going through the decades and saying that every decade had its own instance 
where people thought there were lies being spread mm-hmm. or propaganda through some sort of medium, whether it was the telegraphs at first. Yeah. And then every generation has gone after whatever technology is of the moment and spreading information. And there's always been lies spread. And I think it's up to people to have to decipher what's true and what isn't. And that's really where you're getting into a problem is because you're asking people to disseminate lies from the truth. And that requires reading. That requires work when people would sort of rather just hear something maybe and believe it. Yeah, it requires a lot. I, for one, find it very funny because like I have a news feed and... The important news these days is like what Cardi B said at the Met Gala party. I'm like, oh, that's the top of the news today? Right. Cardi B cracked a joke and everybody's mad. So this is what the entire world is worried about right now. A joke. It's so crazy of what the world makes important. Because what she did at that Met Gala, it don't matter. She was at a party. She was having fun. She's having a good time. Why is that at the top of my news feed today? When we got the Roe versus Wade and we got the war that's still happening that people seem to forgot that was going on and we got hungry kids and the homeless people on the street. Like, how is that important right now? It's so true. And two things I'll say, as long as everybody's focusing on Cardi B and what she said at the Met Gala, no one thinks about the homeless people or the children in Ukraine or the babies starving here. So they don't have to ever address real issues. Just stop trying to undo everything. You should balance it out by trying to do some positive things. But also that's where we come in. We have to keep the conversation about Roe v. Wade, about the homeless children, about the homeless on the streets, about the Ukrainian children. We have to keep that conversation up and we can't focus on what they're trying to feed us. We have to be diligent and make sure that we continue to talk about things that are important. Right. The media companies, they want clicks, right? The goal of everything is just to get as many eyeballs on your shit as you can get. And so that's where we, again, come in and have to make sure we focus on the right things because I don't think the media ever will focus on the necessary. I was a little bit distracted too. I done messed around and almost forgot this Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. I have become like a person that meditates every single day now. I can't meditate too long. I do 15 minutes. If I do 20, then I start letting things go and people start being slick. Mm -hmm. Uh -uh -uh -uh. Don't play with me. So I got to do 15 minutes. And that gives me enough energy and power to be like, did you try to disrespect me? Because I will address it, but that 20 minutes, I won't. And me doing meditation has really taken care of my heart and my mind. Mm -hmm. Because I'm at the point in my career where right now it's not always yeses. It's a whole bunch of no's. And when you get all them no's, it hurts. But it's not a no because you're not good enough. But that's how you receive it sometimes as an artist. But that's not the case. You just weren't right for this part. But that has nothing to do with your talent. But if I get a no, I'm like, I'm trash. I suck. I'm not good enough. And the meditation has helped me to stop that. And I'm like calm and I'm zen and I just move on to the next project. So Mental Health Awareness Month is very important. And I wish people start talking about that. I don't see enough about that. Yeah, Taraji does a great job of making that her platform. And good for her that she does that. The thing about the parts is interesting because... What I would encourage you to do that I think is helpful, do you have any desire to direct? No, no. No? I did for like a second in my career. And I probably am capable, but like you have to have an eye. And I don't think I have that eye. Because directors, they are so, so, so creative in what they want to see and what angle they need and making things hit. Because, you know, you can have words on a paper, but when it comes to life and you see it, that's that director putting that shit together. And I don't necessarily know if I can do that. Okay. What I was going to say was, or producing, right? 
So at my age, and you're a completely different generation than me, what has helped me, whether producing or directing, is stepping into the other side of it and looking at how things are cast and getting involved in conversations and being in rooms where those conversations about material are being had and who's right for what. You'll get a different perspective as an actor, and then you see who was cast, and you see which way they went. And they're not always right. People who are casting stuff are just as scared Mm -hmm. as anybody else, I think. They're just as scared that that actor's not going to be able to do it. Or they're afraid to take a chance. I see people who create content, executives, studios, producers, everybody's just going for what's completely safe. When people have courage to break out and say something different than what everybody else at the table is saying, that's when you get a hit. Mm -hmm. That's when you get something that's unbelievable because someone at the table had the balls to disagree with everybody and make a bold choice. Yeah. But try to get yourself in a situation where you can produce some stuff, get together with some producers, find some material and have conversations about stuff you want to make. If you're not right for these parts, then start trying to produce and find material that you like, that you see a vision for that could be something, and then try to assemble a team around it and make it without you as the talent, just you as the producer. And then you'll get a different perspective on how the shit goes down. It stings a little bit, but you won't feel as bad about it. Okay. And that just comes with time. You have to get your heart broken a couple times before you get to the place where you're like, I see what this is. I've seen it before. I've been through this before. I'm not telling this story again. Right. You got to build up a thick skin as an actor. Oh, yeah. You know, especially you doing comedy. I mean, oh, my God, that is the toughest. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, people ask me about my creative process in comedy all the time. I just go take the bomb because I don't sit down and write. It comes out better when I'm in the moment talking about it. So if I got some new stuff I want to do, I'll just go to one of the clubs and I just go off the dome. And I'm not scared of the silence. I will be quiet for five minutes until my next thought comes, you know. And sometimes the crowd like it. They be ready for what's next and sometimes they don't. I just take the hits. I'm not saying I don't care. I'm just saying that's my process and that's how I like to do it. And when you're around a crowd that appreciates it, it just elevates it. That's what makes it nice for me. It also creates anticipation, right? Like, when is she going to talk next? Yeah. And what's she going to say? Right. You know, there's the term, the awkward silence. Why does the silence have to be awkward? Mm-mm. Silence says a whole bunch of shit. If you be quiet and listen to it, silence is loud. That's what people be sleeping on. Silence is so loud. You ever, like, get in an argument with somebody and don't answer back? <laughs> that silence hurt. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most brutal comments you could ever make to somebody is being quiet. It's true. Hell yeah. It's true. I like to do it on stage like that because the people that are there when the joke is trash, like when the joke is developing and they see that, and then maybe in six months, maybe they'll come see me again. It feels good when it'd be the same person. They come and be like, man, I remember the first time you said that joke and like, damn, now you're going to turn that thing in in like six minutes. I'm like, yeah. And now it just became this big, beautiful, funny, stupid story. I'm like, yeah. That's why I like to go out there and do this type of stuff in front of y'all. The creative process. And anybody who's listening who wants to go into comedy, I had Bowen Yang on a few weeks ago. And he talked about how he was inspired to go into show business. And he struggled because he didn't see a lot of representation. He didn't see a lot of people that look like him. And he talked about Sandra Oh on Grey's. And he was watching and saying, wow, look, representation matters so much. And anytime you could tell stories about the journey of a comic, 
I think it helps because I do think comedy is one of the harder paths. Yeah. You know, comedy is like boxing to me. You out there, you by yourself. You don't have a band. You don't have a backup singer. You don't have dancers with you. You taking that win by yourself and you taking that lose by yourself. Sometimes the losses do hurt. Don't get it twisted. Because if I have a joke in my head, I'm like, this about to kill. And I go out there and it don't, then I'll be like, oh, damn. <laughs> Sometimes that do hit me. I'll be like, God damn it, it was so funny to me. But other than that, if you don't go up there and do your job and bob and weave and move out, like you getting that ass whooping by yourself and you take the win by yourself. You got to take some else. It's the only way you learn. Oh, yeah. I remember one time I was just drinking. I was just getting loaded. And I think I went on stage and that last shot I took hit me. <laughs> Ooh, man, did I take a bomb that day. The words wasn't coming out right. I was slurring. I was like, yo, I'm taking a bomb right now. But you got to do the 15 minutes. You got to keep it going. Man, a crowd was like, we came here for this shit. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really all you can do, right? Is be present in the moment and say like, man, 15 minutes is a long time on stage. That is a long time. I was tripping that day. But, you know, it's a process. I learned my lesson. I don't do that shit no more. But I mean, hey, whatever. I got over that shit. And I just learned my lesson. I ain't going to do it no more. Right. Did the <laughs> owner of the club say anything to you? Like, do you get in trouble no. when that no. shit happens? No, I didn't get in trouble, but I know they were talking shit. But the thing is, I probably played it off so well that they probably didn't know I was loaded. They probably just was like, well, she must be tired or something. Because I had had a long work week. I was exhausted. That's another reason why that liquor probably hit me. Because I don't really drink during a work week. So to drink that day, my body was just like, oh, 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 oh. And it just went left. Right. You're doing SNL right now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. How's that going? Whew, man, SNL is tough. It's fun, but it's tough. They got days where I'm just like, I've had it. And then they got days where I'm like, I love it here. Because you're working, you work all day, you work every day. Sundays we off, but we kind of not. On Sundays, that's when your brain have to start ticking again. So mentally, you are working. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot. It's really good competition because there's so many of us, but everybody's very supportive of each other. If there is beef and drama, I don't know nothing about it. Mm -hmm. Everybody seems like real chill. And some weeks you get your way, some weeks you don't get your way. And you just dust yourself off and you just go back to work. So what does it look like in the SNL writer's room? Like, do you guys get assignments? You have to write a sketch for this person? Or how does the work work? So like, for instance, we have Selena Gomez and Post Malone, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of do what you think the host wants to have fun doing. Yep. Basically, we have two musical acts, but one is hosting and one is the musical guest. Mm -hmm. So I want to do a musical piece. So since those are the people that's going to be here, I'm like, I want to do a musical piece. And then you go get your team. You can write with different writers, but everybody kind of have a team. And I got this guy, Ben Silva, that's my boy, and Rosebud Baker, that's my girl. Like, we write together every single week. And sometimes me and my boy Alex English write together. And sometimes my boy Jake, he jump on too. But, you know, you get your team. They're like, all right, cool. So after this meeting right now, at about maybe three or four o'clock, I'm going to get on with them. And I'm like, all right, cool. So this the idea, this the angle. I want it to be A, B, C, D, and E. They're going to be like, all right, well, how about E, F, G? And the other person going to be like, all right, how about this? And then we take all of them ideas, we create an outline, and then somebody takes a pass at the script first. So I'll probably say something like, won't you write it first? And he'll write it, and then we'll look at it all together, and we'll just fix it. And then we turn it in, and on Wednesdays, we read about pending, maybe 40 or 45 sketches, maybe less, give or take. Wow. Whew, yeah. And then that night, Lauren and the head writers will pick, I think, maybe eight sketches or 10. And then Thursday, Friday, we practice them. And then Saturday, we put them on. That's a lot of work. You guys are putting on a live show every week. 
We're putting out a scripted show every week. It's really hard. It's a lot of work. I mean, it's funny because it's like people think these well-oiled machines, and in some respects, we're definitely very well-oiled machine, right? You know, you have the best editors and the best sound people and all of that. But it's almost harder, I find, to do a long-running show because you have to make sure it stay good. You have to try to keep up the quality because you have a reputation. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of personalities. Oh, yeah. Not having an idea when you wish you had an idea or having too many ideas when no one wants your ideas. Ooh, those. Those hurt really bad. Because see, at SNL, it is a very, very fast turnover. I can't lie. This job is really literally getting me ready for Hollywood. I think if you go through SNL, I think you can go out in life and handle anything because you have so much coming at you all of the time. You know, you got to learn how to be on that surfboard and balance out those waves. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. it is a lot. And then you go through all of this six days a week, and then Sunday, boom, it is time for the next idea. And you got to come up with it fast. And then, like you said, you're sitting there and everybody pitching their ideas. And you could tell when people don't like it because they're going to be like, okay. Mm -hmm. And if they do like it, they're going to be like, hey, come here, punk. You know, we heard that. We want to work with you on that. Yeah. But coming up with those ideas fast like that, that fast turnover, ooh, that can really hurt your brain. But they are swift. Yeah. They are fast over there. Last year, I was really, really bad at it. This year, I'm kind of bad at it. I'm not as bad as I was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) But every year, I can see that I'll get better and better as it goes. Yeah, I always feel bad for the actors who come on our show, too, because we're just moving. And for people to have to just jump in and jump on, it's not easy. But it's great training ground for other things. Oh, yeah. I do have a question for you. Mm. How do you feel about watching yourself and listening to yourself? Like, what are your feelings? Hate it. Me too. I don't like it. I don't like watching myself. I don't like listening to myself. And I find a lot of actors are the same way. My mom is like, look, that doesn't mean that you hate yourself. Because I'm like, do I hate myself? (laughs) No, it's something about it. Something about my voice. Like, I don't feel like I sound when I watch myself talk. When I'm speaking, I feel like I sound one way. And when I watch myself speak, I'm like, oh, I sound awful. I know. Me too. I do the same thing. People listen to that voice. I know. I feel the same thing. And so many people feel the same thing. Ask any actor. Nobody likes to watch themselves. When I was directing and you got to watch yourself back on the monitor, you know, if there's a certain thing you have to direct and act in a scene, you got to jump back and you have to replay it to watch it to make sure it works. And it's so hard. It's like, Mm. why did I do it that way? It's hard. Yeah. I have duck feet. My feet go out. People told me that all my life, but I never saw it until I started boxing a year ago. And my trainer is helping me to close some of it, but I cannot for the life of me understand why I walk like a duck. And I hate it, but he's forcing me to watch myself so I can fix my feet. But I just want to just jump out of a window every single time I watch it. But it's helping my feet get better. So I have to watch it, but I don't want to. But isn't that amazing, though, that you took up boxing? You're probably in such good shape now because that's the best workout. Oh, yeah. And it's addressing things that you didn't know you needed to address. Right. And posture. Mm -hmm. I noticed when I was boxing, I was leaning. And now I'm not. I'm standing on my back foot. So I think it's helping in acting, too, because I didn't know in auditions that I did look a little hunchback because I'm always leaning forward. Mm -hmm. That's why I like working out. It does bring a certain discipline that helps in the acting world. And I'm fast and I'm strong. From all those parking lot brawls. (laughs) (laughs) Standing up for my woman. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. See, you got to trust the process. Everything is preparation. 
But I think because you have so much experience, even though you say you don't write down jokes, you still have a process in your mind of what you think about and the way you think about it. You have to do outlines and stuff for work, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you should just keep writing, keep writing material Mm -hmm. and keep trying to produce material and just try to write stuff for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's good to audition. And obviously that helps your perspective with everything. And the more you audition, the better you get. Sometimes, I mean, I'm a terrible auditioner. I hate it. I have crazy nerves. And I haven't done it in a really long time, obviously. But you got to write your own stories. Keep writing. It was a good call to stay on that show. It's one of the longest running show in history, right? Besides like the Young and the Restless and stuff? I don't know. Probably The Simpsons has been on longer. I think SVU has been on a long time. Ariska has been really out there for a long time, too, killing it on SVU. Yeah. I think she's got more seasons, I think. Oh, yeah. Forgot about SVU. Yeah. They have to have different writers every year. It's a lot. But I think shows like SVU and even shows like Grey's, like, I think they try to find real cases. Like, we bring in doctors and ask for stories from them. Probably SVU, maybe they do the same. But people love crime and people love crime podcasts. My daughter loves true crime podcasts. Yeah. Oh, they love it. True crime podcasts are always the most listened to. The ones my daughter listens to are like two women talking about what happened, which I think is kind of good because it makes these young girls maybe think about stuff before they do it. I was worried that my daughter was going to get anxiety from, I was like, don't you get anxious from listening to these stories about people getting murdered? And she was like, no, mom, it like helps me know what not to do. Mm-hmm. Basically, don't leave the house and don't talk to anyone. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's crazy. Like, even with Ubers, I put my name as a guy's name, number one. Ooh, yes. So when they pull up, they already know, like, you don't have a chance. Then they see I'm a chick. They're like, Ryan? I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But just off top, I want them to know they're picking up a guy. It makes me feel comfortable. And then a lot of Ubers get mad when I do this, but I don't care. I'll close the door, and then I'll open the door, and then I'll close the door. To make sure the door opens? Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I don't trust them. Right. People are like, why you did that? I'm like, honestly? <laughs> and I tell them the truth. They're like, oh, no, I'm not like that. Look, bro, this ain't about you. Right. It's not personal. It's about me and me feeling safe. Yeah, exactly. All those little tips. That's right. And everywhere I go, like, I make sure they have more than one exit. If I go to, like, a bar that has one exit, I sit by the damn exit door. Mm-hmm. I have to do it. I go see if they got windows in the bathroom and everything. My parents were police. My mother worked for the New Orleans Levy Police and my father was NOPD for like 30, 40 years. So they make sure I know what's going on. Really? Yeah. What are some of the things they told you? I love that. Well, my dad, he helped his daughters make sure we, you know, trained in gun safety and we're not irresponsible with weapons in the house, especially because we have nieces and nephews and grandchildren and stuff like that. Make sure we know how to lock things up safely and carefully. My dad is big on us not pumping the gas, his daughters, so he take care of that. Mm-hmm. He's also big on making sure we stay away from cars with no windows, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Just like being smart, cautious. That is one good thing about social media is women getting on there and telling their stories about like, listen, I was in a store. This guy followed me from this aisle to that aisle to that aisle. You know, there are all these stories about women getting snatched. Oh, yeah. You know, and they just roll up right behind you. It can happen really, really fast. 
So what else do you have going on? What is the season of SNL? When does that wind down? Are you on a break now or? No, we just did one week. We got two more weeks left and then the season is over. Nice. And then I have a busy June. I want to continue to box for a year and then I'm going to get into some celebrity boxing. Ah. Yeah, because I'm getting real good, like really good. Amazing. I'd be surprising myself. I'd be like, damn, I did that. And I have a busy June. I'm hosting the Gay Honors show in Los Angeles the first weekend of June. And then the next weekend of June, I'm doing the Governor's Club in Long Island. And then the next weekend, I'm doing Milwaukee. And then that next weekend, I'm a Grand Marshal for the Gay Parade that weekend. So I'm going to have a good time. Amazing. Which parade? What state? New York for the Gay Pride Parade. Oh, amazing. Oh, man, I'm going to have so much fun. Ever since I was a little girl, a little gay girl coming out the closet. I was like 12, 13 years old. And I found out about that parade. I've been wanting to be in that parade all this time. One of my dreams is coming true. And Grand Marshal, no less, not just in the parade. Right, right, right. So I just think that at this point, it's time for me to just stay in contact with my gay people. And I'm not really big on social media. I don't like social media because I think it's, I just think it's dangerous and I think it's hurtful. And I think people just go after you and attack you for no reason. And I don't have self-control with my lips Mm -hmm. because I do got time every single time if someone want to tell me something stupid. And (laughs) you shouldn't. So I stay away. Right. But I'm going to start being on social media more. I feel the same way. But Instagram, I like because at least Instagram, you can be creative Mm -hmm. and you can shut your comments off. Right, right. But I want to say one more time, what's the name of your podcast? It's going to be called Swamp Education with Punky Johnson. They haven't given me a release date yet, but I'm going to be working on that this entire summer. So I'm hoping maybe middle August we'll be able to drop it. It's going to be really fun. Come get some of my opinionated, unsolicited, therapeutic advice (laughs) on love and relationships. And it's just going to be a good time. Listen, Punky, we need every woman who's not afraid to speak up and not afraid to use their voice and not afraid to fight. We need everybody. We need all hands on deck right now. I appreciate you. I thank you for doing this. Everybody should listen to Swamp Education. Listen to Punky. She's got something to say and her voice is important. And I'm really glad I met you. You know, she was a fan of the show and we were lucky enough to get the time to sit down together. I don't know, it was like a year or two ago, right? Yeah, about a year ago. Had some good lunch. Yep. Punky came over to my house for lunch and we've been cool ever since. And I think that there's strength in numbers. And anytime you need me, I'm here for you. And Ellen's not lying, y'all. Like, if I text her, she texts back. She's not one of the bullshitters out there in Hollywood that'd be like, yeah, call me, and then ignore No. If I hit her up, she always be like, what's up? How you doing? How's everything? And I really, really appreciate that. I don't know if you know how much that means. So thank you. Thank you, Punky. Listen, I know my way around a parking lot, too. <laughs> Hell yeah. Any day, you just call. I'm here. I'm with you. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. I love you. I love you too. And I hope I see you soon. You got a deal. I appreciate being here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. 